Now what's God going to do about that? Well, if we go on, uh, God won't let us rebel forever. God's punishment for rebels is death and judgment. It says this in Hebrews 9 verse 27, man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Uh, we will be held accountable for our lives. God will not be mocked. He is ultimately in charge and we will be held accountable. Now that, that is a very tough message to hear. We've rebelled against God and we're facing certain judgment, both in this life and in the next. But that, of course, is not the whole of the message. This is the good bit. This is the glorious bit of the gospel message about what God has done about it. Uh, because of his love, God sent his son into the world, the, the, the man, Jesus Christ. And Jesus always lived under God's rule. And yet by dying in our place, he took our punishment and brought forgiveness. And it says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Christ died for sins, once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. That's what the death of Jesus is all about. It was a rescue mission to make us right with God. And uh, it's not just the thought that Jesus died on a cross. We, we think too about the resurrection of Jesus, that God raised Jesus to life again as the ruler of the world. That Jesus has conquered death and now gives new life and will return to judge. And it says in 1 Peter 1 verse 3, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, into the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now those first five boxes, in essence, are the content of the Christian message. That is what the gospel is. It is objective truth. And the final box of two ways to live, the final part of presenting the gospel in this outline, moves on to the choice that we all face, that there are two ways to live. There's our way, which is to continue to reject the rule of God, live our, our own life, running it uh, as if we are the most important person in the world. And the result of living that way, the Bible says, is that we're condemned by God and facing death and judgment. Well, there's God's new way, which is to submit to Jesus as our ruler, rely on Jesus' death and resurrection, and the result of that is that we're forgiven by God and given eternal life. And John chapter 3, verse 36 puts this uh, stark choice in one simple verse. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. It couldn't be clearer, that verse, could it? It couldn't be more sober and serious. And so tonight, really, I want us to think about this last box. Uh, we spent uh, many nights considering the other elements. Tonight, I want to think about this critical choice that we all face, that there are two ways to live. Uh, this is obviously a very important point as we explain the gospel to people. Uh, this is not just uh, sort of factual information of minor interest to a few people, like the breeding cycle of a dragonfly, or, you know, the... Um, study of Oxbow Lakes, as fascinating as those things are, you know, you can take them or leave them. When we're talking about the gospel, here's a bit of information. There's a bomb underneath this building and it's going to go off in 10 minutes. Now, at that point, you've got to make a choice, haven't you? That's information you've got to make a decision about. There isn't a bomb, by the way. Not that I know of. Not that I know of. 
But you see, when we're talking about the gospel, we're talking about the sort of knowledge that there's, like that, there's a bomb that's about to go off in about 10 minutes. What are you going to do about it? Now, at that point, you kind of go, oh, that's very interesting. Very, very interesting. No, you're probably going to be very sort of gracefully and slyly heading for the door. Unless I'm a joker or something like that. Well, what we're saying about the gospel, the truth of the gospel, is it's of that sort of importance. It is something that we have to respond to. And we need to be clear about what that response is. Now, to use the theological terms, the response, in essence, is repentance and faith. But the two ways to live outline doesn't use those words because those are so easily misunderstood. It uses different terms, and we'll think about that in a moment. But that's the response, theologically, repentance and faith. And it's often a problem, perhaps, or a temptation that we face as we share the gospel with people that we too often fail to remind them that there is a response that needs to be made. There is a choice that comes in the light of these truths. So I want to think about some key concepts tonight as we think about this. The first one is that there's no middle way. There we are. You've got the second one there too. Uh, There's no middle way. As I've had the opportunity of sharing the gospel uh, with people and come to this point of saying, look, there's a response you need to make in the light of this gospel. Um, You've got a choice. It's either God's way or your way. What are you going to do? The the most common response I get is that people want to say that they're basically somewhere in the middle. They want to say sometimes they live God's way and sometimes they live their own way. Now, I think this is nearly always built on the idea that Christianity is about moral achievement. It's about uh, just trying to keep as many rules as you can. And as we saw a few weeks back, sin is not about so much individual moral acts as our whole relationship with God. And that's why it's so important that people should understand uh, the second box of our outline about what sin is, that is fundamentally rebellion against God. You can do lots of nice things to people when you're under rebellion against God, but you're still in rebellion against God. That is the fundamental issue, the fundamental problem. And people who want to say that they are in the middle, have they not really understood the point of this Bible verse that comes with this box in John 3.36? It says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Do you notice that it's present tense? He has or she has eternal life. That is, they've got it now. It's not something that you have it when you're, when you're better or you're good, uh, but sometimes you don't have it. You either have it or you don't have it. You're either in a right relationship with God or you're not. There's no middle way. There are only two ways to live. So what are the responses? Well, let's think about this first one. Uh, repentance. What is repentance? I think there's much, much misconception about the idea of repentance. The common view of people is to think that repentance is feeling sorry. But that's really not what repentance is about at all. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 and 9, let me read it to you. It says this, Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry but because your sorrow led you to repentance. You see, it's not just about being sorry. It's very possible to 
feel sorry about something but not repent at all. Sorrow may accompany repentance, but sorrow is not the essence of repentance. Repentance is really about a change of mind. It is a change of will and of direction that issues in a change of action. It's stopping one course of action and turning 180 degrees and commencing a brand new course of action in the opposite direction. That is repentance. It's changing your mind and thus your actions. And the repentance that the Bible talks about is a repentance from sin and rebellion, from self-government, from false gods. There's a beautiful verse in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9 and 10. Hopefully it'll be up there. It says this, For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Do you see that there are two sides of repentance? It is a turning away from something and a turning towards something. And in this case, they turned away from idols and towards the true and living God. They ceased their rebellion uh, and, and they submitted to the true and rightful ruler over their lives. Now, because the word repentance is so often misunderstood... Uh, This two ways to live outline uses this word submit. It's kind of an unambiguous way of of talking about when someone ceases from rebellion and turns back to live under the rightful rule. They submit. And in in this case, they submit to Jesus, the rightful ruler of the world. So this is repentance. It is, uh, is a turning around. It is a change of mind and heart that issues in a change life. It is about submitting to rightful rule. Thirdly then, another concept, faith. And faith, don't you agree, is something that's so misunderstood. Uh, People sing, you've got to have faith, faith, faith. Not quite sure what it is. Some people view faith as as just about having a religious experience or a feeling. Uh, People talk about, oh well faith is just like a leap in the dark when there's an absence of evidence. Although um, that's how people think about it, that's not what the Bible means when it says the word faith. Put simply, faith is trust. It is to rely upon something. It is to depend upon something, to trust something. Faith is common, it's universal. Everybody has faith in that way. Everybody trusts and depends and relies on things. We rely on our parents. We, We might trust in our own wits. We might depend on the chair that we're sitting on. Faith is not particularly a religious word or concept. It's just trust. But most people don't understand this. They say things like this to me. Oh, I haven't got your faith. As if this was some mysterious substance that some of us have and others don't. Oh, poor me, I don't have faith. Now, we all have faith. Faith is regarded almost as an object in itself in those sort of statements. But that's not what the word means. It's about trust. And if you replace the word faith with a word like reliance, you'll see the point. So if I was to say to you tonight, have you got reliance? You would say back to me, what reliance are you talking about? Relying on what? That's the obvious question, isn't it? And that's exactly it with faith. Faith is just an attitude or an action of trusting in something. And what is important is is the thing that you are trusting in. 
That's the important thing. And so the the response of the gospel to the gospel is to trust or rely upon Jesus, and in particular, on his saving death in our place. See, there was once a point uh, when many of us trusted in other things. Maybe it was in ourselves. Maybe it was in one of uh, those idols or false gods that we had uh, created. Maybe not something we bound down to, but something that dominated our life, something that defined our life, something that we served and we offered sacrifices to in the hope of, of being happy or fulfilled. Perhaps we put our trust in money to bring us happiness. Perhaps we put our trust in our family. We thought, if I just put all my hopes in my family, that will bring me joy. That will bring me fulfillment. These are all can be false idols that we worship, false gods. But having turned away from these things, from our rebellion against God, we now rely on something different. We rely on Jesus. Now you can, you can see then that faith uh, in itself doesn't save us because faith in itself is nothing. It is only effective in, as the thing is that we are trusting in. And it is Jesus who saves us. And only by trusting in him, in relying upon him, can we actually have our rebellion forgiven and be received into a right relationship with God. But how can this happen? How does this happen? If I'm a rebel intent on opposing or ignoring God, how does that change come about? How do I change my mind if my mind is implacably opposed to God? We interviewed most people on the street saying, you know, do you want to, do you want to turn to God, trust God? No, I don't. What are you talking about? How does that change? Well, the answer is in this final concept, that of regeneration. The Bible uh, makes clear that left to ourselves, we would never turn back to God. The dead cannot make themselves live. The blind cannot make themselves see. It is only by the power of God, through his spirit, that blind people see the truth about Jesus. The dead people are born again into new life. And so there is an activity of God in the conversion of someone. He regenerates us. He makes us born again. He raises us up spiritually um, from death into life with the result that we, put, uh, we repent and put our trust in Jesus. Now we've just heard testimonies of that tonight, haven't we? People for years going to church thinking, well, I'll do it as little as possible, it's dreadful, let's not go there. And then suddenly something changes. They become a brand new person. And the Bible becomes exciting. Church becomes a family, I want to go there. And there's a hunger and thirst for God. The Bible becomes a thing of delights. Jesus becomes real. What is that? That is the regenerating work of God's Holy Spirit that enables us to repent and put our trust in Jesus. And we must never forget this. See, as much as we seek to explain and teach or argue or even persuade others about the Christian faith, it is only through the action of God's Holy Spirit that someone turns back from their rebellion to submission and putting their faith in the Lord Jesus. And that's really why sharing of our faith should always be soaked in prayer. That God would work through our words and that he would regenerate that person that we are speaking to and bring them to to new life. And if you have a little look at the Two Ways to Live leaflet, and uh, we'll get 
I'm sure we'll get lots in the new bookstore that will be coming. Uh, you'll see in there that the, 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 there's a question, well, how do you respond? What, what must I do? And, and the first answer to that is pray. It is to pray. In order to turn back to God, the first thing we must do is to pray. Pray to God to change me because I know that I cannot change myself. Now, of course, even the act of praying that prayer means that God's Spirit is already at work changing me. But prayer is an acknowledgement that in turning back and in submitting to Jesus and relying upon him, we need God's help. We need God's work within us to do it. And here's the sort of prayer that you could use to turn back to God. There's nothing magical in this, but these are sort of words that are an appropriate response to God. Dear God, I know that I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I am guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me. Do you see that prayer? Please forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus my ruler. Well, this is the only way you will get right with God if he changes you. Now, what alternatives are there to what I put forward here? Well, there's an issue that people raise, and it's the issue of contribution. They say something like this, well, surely I need to contribute something. Surely some religious activity is necessary. Surely I need to go to church or mass or give up something for Lent. I need to do something, surely, to get saved. But you know, there is nothing a rebel can do to stop being a rebel except turn around and submit. And there's nothing he can do to atone for past sins and rebellion, since really what he's doing by submitting to the government is only doing what he should have done in the first place. By turning back and submitting to God, we're not earning merit. We're not doing something that could atone for our past sins. We're just doing our duty. We're simply doing what we should have done. There is nothing we can contribute Nothing that can put God in our debt. Jesus has done it all by dying in our place to win forgiveness. He has paid fully for this salvation. Well, others would challenge us too, and they say, well, it's all too quick and easy. People might say, well, it's just too simple. Are you saying that Someone could live a life of 50 years of degeneracy and evil and then wipe all of that out in a 30-second prayer at the end of a gospel tract? Well, in one sense, you can't. The prayer in itself is not magical. The prayer doesn't wipe things out. But if in your heart and mind you have turned around and ceased your rebellion, and you come back to God on your knees seeking forgiveness and putting your trust in Jesus, then yes, it can happen that quickly. All the sins of the past can be wiped out in a moment. It doesn't always happen quickly. In fact, um, more often than not, people take quite a while to turn around. It takes a time. It can happen, though, at any time, because it is a work of God's Holy Spirit. And when God is speaking to us, suddenly, even though we've grown up with church and heard it all our lives, we may go to a, a concert with a strange name. What was it called? That was a strange name. Frenzy? 
That was a Christian concert? That's very interesting. Well, you could be at a frenzy event and something you've heard over and over again, yet it's spoken one more time, and that time it clicks. And you sense conviction of sin, that you've got to do something. As Selassie said, I've got to repent, I've got to trust. It can happen in a moment like that, when God's Spirit comes. And if God is doing that in your heart and life, respond to the gospel this very night. Another thing that uh, people have come up with in the past is this idea that Jesus can be our friend but not Lord. Some people preach a gospel that offers forgiveness and friendship with Jesus but not his lordship. And of course, that's nonsense. The lordship of Jesus, him being boss of our lives, is not something, a bonus, an extra that we hold on to later. You can't enter God's kingdom without having God's son as your king. You cannot be saved unless you turn to the Lord of your salvation. We cannot have him as our saviour now and then our Lord in some future point. The whole nature of repentance and faith is to turn back and submit to Jesus as our ruler and put our trust in him. Well, there's so much we could unpack about the response of repentance and faith. But what I want to just say tonight is that when we share the gospel, it's important that we help people see that there is a response that they need to make in the light of the gospel. You see, if we are rebels against our Creator, deserving of His judgment, and if that Creator has sent His only Son into the world to to take the punishment for that rebellion and to be raised up as the ruler and the judge of the world, then there is really only one thing that we can do. We must stop our rebellion and submit to the ruler, to God's Son, to Jesus. And we can only have our awful rebellion forgiven through his death on our behalf. And so we have no option but to, in, to trust entirely on him for the forgiveness that we so desperately need. There are only two ways to live. Tonight, you'll be one of two people. You'll either be continuing in your own way, living as if you were the center of the universe, in rebellion against God, facing death and judgment, or you will be repentant and you'll be trusting Jesus and submitting your life under his kingship. There's only two ways to live. Which one are you? Are you condemned or forgiven? Are you separated far off from him or drawn near and trusting? Which one are you? Well, it's a joy to be here and witness two people who God's grace has been at work in their lives. And they've come to this place to testify to their faith and trust in Christ, to their repentance, to their submission. But I want to say to you tonight, maybe you know that you need to respond to this gospel tonight. And I want to put the prayer on again. I want you to look at that prayer and see if that's a prayer that you want to use tonight to respond to God for the very first time. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to repeat this prayer and maybe you want to echo it in your own heart and mind as a way of responding to God and getting right with God even tonight. 
Dear God, I know that I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I'm guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. Amen. Well, please, come and speak to me or someone you know here as a Christian friend if you've prayed that prayer for the very first time. If you've begun the Christian life, we want to come and help you, help you grow in your faith. And uh, after I get dry and change my clothes, I will be down the front. And if you want to talk to me, please come up and talk to me. I'll hand it over now to you.